You're listening to On Attachment, a place to learn about how attachment shapes the way we experience relationships and where you'll gain the guidance, knowledge, and practical tools to overcome insecurity and build healthy, thriving relationships. I'm your host, relationship coach, Stephanie Rigg, and I'm really glad you're here. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of On Attachment. In today's episode, I'm going to be answering the community question of, I'm anxious, he's avoidant, is it weird that I want more sex than him? So this is something that I get asked a lot, and I have touched on this dynamic before on the show, but given the frequency with which I get variations on this question, I think it's important to devote a whole episode to unpacking it. Uh, And, you know, spoiler alert, it's not weird at all. This dynamic is actually extremely common. I would say more common than not. So if you are someone in an anxious avoidant relationship and you have noticed a mismatch in libido uh, that looks like the anxious partner wanting sex a lot more than the avoidant partner does, rest assured you're not alone. It's actually very, very common. So I'm hoping that in today's episode, I can unpack for you why that's not weird, why it actually makes a lot of sense Um, and, you know, what the drivers are of that dynamic and, you know, how you can work with it uh, rather than exacerbating it. Because I think most people without the knowledge and awareness of what's going on will personalize this dynamic um, and act out from a place of hurt and make it a lot worse. Uh, And that can be really challenging because we get stuck there. So that's what we're talking about today. Before we dive into that, a couple of quick announcements. The first being just another reminder that the waitlist for healing anxious attachment is open. As at the time of recording, there are over 500 people already on the waitlist, which is amazing. Uh, For anyone who's new around here, and I know there are a lot of you who are new, Healing Anxious Attachment is my signature program. It's an eight-week course. Um, I run it a couple of times a year. And being on the waitlist is a no-obligation thing. It's just that you'll get notified first when doors open and you'll also access discounted pricing for enrollment. So definitely check that out. If you're keen to know more, uh, the link is in the show notes. The second quick announcement is just to share the featured review, which is my only complaint is there aren't more episodes. I wish I found this podcast earlier as it would have certainly healed a lot of past hurt a lot quicker. I've never felt so heard and seen by a podcast. I think there's a lot of solace in knowing I'm not alone with my thoughts and behaviors. Now healing those thanks to On Attachment. Thank you so much for your beautiful review. I'm so pleased that you feel so heard and seen by what I share here. I think that as you say, there is a lot of solace in knowing that you're not alone and that there's, you know, another way available to you. So I'm glad that's been your experience. If that was your review, if you could please send an email to podcast at stephanierig.com and my team will set you up with free access to one of my masterclasses. And if you want the chance to have your review read out and to get a freebie, uh, if you just leave a review on Apple Podcasts, unfortunately, it's only Apple Podcasts that qualifies as the other platforms don't allow for reviews. Uh, but if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, I select one at random for each episode. Um, with two episodes a week, that means you've got two chances each week to be selected. And for anyone who has left a review whose review I haven't read out, please know that I read every single one of them and I am so appreciative of you and your support. So thank you. So let's look at how this usually plays out. 
here's what I see time and time and time again. And, you know, to be very frank with you, I've experienced it myself, so I get it. Um, at the beginning of an anxious avoidant relationship, you'll usually have a lot of sexual intensity. So you're going to have, you know, lots of chemistry, connection, passion, fireworks, hunger, lust, uh, you know, infatuation, all of that sense of, I can't get enough of you. Uh, and that's kind of in all respects, but particularly sexually. And that feels really good for both people. The anxious person loves the feeling of being wanted and chosen and desired. Um, that's like balm to the soul of the anxious partner. And the avoidant person gets a lot out of that too, because it's fun and they feel wanted and they feel desired and they feel successful and they get all of the upside of, of the juiciness of that honeymoon period um, before their triggers set in. So on both sides, that initial period is really exhilarating and rewarding. What tends to happen is that as the relationship becomes more serious, that could be anywhere from a month in to six months in to a year in, just depending on the, the arc of your particular relationship. As things become more serious, uh, as that initial chemical rush tapers off, what will typically happen is the avoidant partner starts to pull away sexually. So they might have less interest in having sex. They might initiate sex less. They might just be less engaged in sex. They might experience performance anxiety or other performance-related challenges sexually. And so there are these really noticeable drop-offs in their interest level in sex. And for the anxious partner, that sends the alarm bells ringing big time because not only did that initial period of sexual intensity feel really good for the anxious person, but the anxious person has a tendency to make it mean something that the avoidant person doesn't. In other words, for the anxious partner, it's like, oh, we have this inc incredible sexual chemistry. That means that we have an incredible connection. That means that we're meant to be together. That means that, you know, I've never felt anything like this before. Therefore, you're the one. This is serious. This is it. Uh, and that is all very exciting for the anxious person. So they get very attached as a result of that sexual intensity. When that sexual intensity shifts and all of a sudden is a little lacking, the anxious person internalizes that and starts to panic. Go, what have I done? I've done something wrong. They're losing interest in me. They must not be attracted to me. Maybe they liked me at the beginning, but then I didn't perform well enough for them sexually. And so they're no longer interested in having sex with me for that reason. I didn't do a good enough job. Um, you know, the anxious person's tendency to make everything about their failings um, and their unworthiness um, and their not good enoughness very much bubbles to the surface here. And so the anxious person will typically test. So they'll notice this thing. They'll start to panic in their head and tell themselves the story. And then they'll start to try and gather evidence and go, okay, is this just in my head or is it real? Is this legit? And so what will they do? They'll maybe start to be more flirtatious with their partner or try to initiate sex more, or try to seduce them or be more affectionate, try and hug and kiss them all of those things to gauge the response, to see, are they really pulling away or am I making this up? And the avoidant person, possibly without realizing it, receives all of that, you know, intensity, anxiety, escalated energy around sex as pressure. And so they're likely to respond to that by withdrawing further, which 
cements the anxious person's read of the situation as they've lost interest in me sexually. Uh, And for the anxious person, it's a very short walk from they've lost interest in me sexually to they're going to leave me. They don't want me anymore. I'm no longer useful to them. Whatever connection we had is slipping away from me uh, and I feel really out of control and panicked and like I've done something, but I don't know what. So as you can probably imagine, and I'm sure a lot of you listening have experienced this, and as I said, so have I, so I get it and it's really challenging um, because as much as we can intellectually understand that that might not be about us, that might be about their intimacy fears, um, that might be about their inability to combine sex and love without feeling intensely vulnerable in a way that leads their system to go into shutdown and protective mode. As much as we can intellectualize that, it's really still very tender to our wounds our unworthiness wounds, the part of us that just wants to be wanted and chosen and who feels like they had that and then it got taken away from them through no fault of their own. So don't underestimate how big this is in terms of the emotional imprint of it. Uh, And you'll need to really approach it with a lot of self-compassion because it's really easy to personalize it. It's really easy to make it all about you and take it as unequivocal evidence in support of those really painful stories about yourself, that you're not good enough, that no one's ever going to want you, that when you show yourself to someone, they reject you, that nothing you do is good enough to get someone's attention and keep it. Uh, Whatever the stories are, there are a lot of them. And this is a vulnerable area uh, where we can really spiral in our self-worth. So to return to the essence of the question, is it weird that I want more sex than him? No, not at all. Uh, It's very common because of that trajectory of, you know, sexual intensity followed by sexual withdrawal by the avoidant partner. Then the anxious person, when faced with the insecurity that comes with that fallout, wants sex more than ever because sex is equal to validation. Sex is equal to reassurance. Sex alleviates that fear of rejection or that feeling of rejection that has kind of infected the relationship. Um, So it's actually very common. And if anything, the more he pulls away, the more you're going to want sex um, for that reason that you just want the feeling of being wanted. So what do we do with all of this? It might feel overwhelming to hear me share what drives that pattern and how very common it is. And I'm not going to mislead you by saying that it's an easy solution. Uh, I think the honest truth would be to say that both people need to have a level of awareness and willingness to be vulnerable about this. And so while on the anxious side, you're probably spending a lot of time and energy ruminating over it, uh, you will need a level of buy-in from your avoidant partner in finding a way to experience sex together that works for you both, um, that feels safe and comfortable, that meets both of your needs. Um, and that will require you to talk about it. Unfortunately, as much as we all hate talking about sex and having those messy, vulnerable conversations, uh, it's really a necessity in any relationship, but particularly in one where all of this emotional density is present in your sexual dynamic. So as much as possible on the anxious side, depersonalizing it will help 
because it will allow you to show up to those conversations vulnerably without being in this state of panic and stress and accusation and self-protection, which will only elicit a similarly, you know, reactive and defensive response from your partner. The other final piece that I'll suggest for, again, the anxious partner in this is check in with yourself around sex when you're wanting sex from your partner, when you're, you know, feeling like you'd want to initiate sex. Just check in with yourself on whether you want sex or whether you want to feel wanted. Because if it's the latter, then what you're really wanting is reassurance or validation that everything's okay. And that might point to a broader unmet need in the relationship that you can get met in other ways and potentially healthier ways rather than leaning on sex as an indirect way to get that validation or reassurance. So asking yourself, do I actually want sex right now or do I want to feel wanted by my partner? Um, And that will, again, allow you to just have greater clarity for yourself around what the need is um, and in so doing have a much better chance of getting that need met in a way that works for you, for your partner, for the relationship. So I hope that that has been helpful in unpacking that dynamic that is so very common, giving you a bit of an understanding of why that happens um, and what drives it and some sense of what you can do and, you know, what not to do if you find yourself in that situation and you're needing to tackle it. I should also say I have a masterclass on my website called Sex and Attachment, uh, which is, I think it's about 90 minutes and goes into all of this, obviously, in a lot more detail. I do also have a module in my Healing Anxious Attachment course around building a secure sexuality. So um, if you are wanting to go deeper on this topic, I definitely suggest checking either the Sex and Attachment Masterclass, which is instant access. You can get that on my website or, as I said at the start, joining that waitlist for Healing Anxious Attachment. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to leave a five-star rating and a review. As I said, it does really help so much in getting the word out uh, and helping the show continue to grow. But otherwise, I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining me for this episode of On Attachment. If you want to go deeper on all things attachment, love, and relationships, you can find me on Instagram at stephanie underscore underscore rig or at stephanierig.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you could leave a review and a five-star rating. It really does help so much. Thanks again for being here and I hope to see you again soon.